is the Refinery Church Podcast. Each message is from our weekend service right here at our campus located in downtown Brea, California. We hope this message encourages you and strengthens your faith. Hey, let's get right into it because there's some exciting things that I'm, I want to talk about today because we're in a brand new series, kicking it off today. Uh, a couple of families texted me. They're out of town. They're traveling. They're really bummed. They said, are we going to be podcasting? I said, yes, we'll be podcasting, as is our tradition here. Uh, we put everything up online during the week so you can, if you miss it for some reason, you can always listen later on. But I remember, I'm going to start off with a little story. I remember uh, playing with my daughter, Rachel. Uh, she's a college student right now. Some of you know she goes to USC. Uh, yay, fight on. Um, that's right. Here we go. Uh, she's a USC student getting ready to graduate in a few months. But I remember way back a few years ago uh, to when she was like, oh, about 18 months, two years old. And if your parents in here, you'll probably know and have done this with your kids. Um, when she was really learning to talk and identify people, so she was probably about 18 months, uh, we would, we would, I would do this kind of little game with her, right? We'd be all together as a family, and I'd, I'd point to my wife, and I'd go, who's that? And, you know, she said, Mommy. Oh, and who's that? Well, that's Papa. Papa. Who's that? Mima. Mima. And I just love doing that with her, right? Have you guys done that with your kids before? Isn't that fun as they're identifying people around? Well, I kind of like to tease her a little bit, so then I'd point to me, right? And I'd go, Who's this? And she'd go, Daddy. You know, big smile on her face. It'd make my heart melt. I'd go, No, Mommy. <laughs> no. And she'd go, No, Daddy. And I'd say, No, 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 Papa. Right? And then she'd go, no, daddy. And then I'd point and say, no, 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 Mima. And she'd go, no, daddy. And she'd get off her raw, no, daddy. She was insistent that I was wrong and she was right because she knew I was daddy. Anybody ever done that with your kids before? You're not mean like me. Some of you are mean like me. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Rachel knew the truth and she was not going to bow down. She was not going to let uh, me try to get away with something. Even at 18 months old or two, month, two years old, she knew, no, 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 you're daddy and you can't tell me any different. Ain't going to change my mind. Well, she's still that way today. You know, she gets something in her mind and it's like, no, this is the way it is. Uh, she has that good, strong will, which is helping her get through such an academically intense and rigorous uh, program there at USC. She was convinced. Well, we're starting a series here tonight with a question that is designed to kind of spur you on, designed to test the reality and the strength of your faith. It's, it's the question, much like I would say to Rachel, you know, who is this? It's, it really is designed, the question is really designed to help you if you're walking around in a fog, it's really designed to help you step out of that fog and into a convinced, faith-filled walk in Jesus Christ. It's a question that is designed, and I, Jesus asked this question 2,000 years ago, it's a question that was designed to wash away any doubt so that you could be sure of who you are and what you believe. Because doubt is what causes us to waver. Doubt is what causes us to be fear-filled. Doubt is what causes us to be filled with anxiety. And so Jesus asks a question 2,000 years ago, and it's, it's relevant to today. It hasn't changed. It's a question, and some of you are going, well, what is the question? Well, it's a question that literally determines your worldview. It determines your perspective on life. 
It's a question that helps you determine how you're going to spend your time, how you're going to spend your money, how you're going to behave, how you're going to love, who you're going to love. It's the most important question that anyone has ever asked. And it is the most important question you'll even ask yourself. And it's a question that every single person on this earth must and will answer. It's a question that's resonated for 2,000 years since Jesus asked it to a group of his followers. It's found in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Jesus had been doing his thing here on earth, walking around, healing people, forgiving, loving people, feeding people. And he gathers his small band, less than even this crowd, small band of people. And he comes and says these words in Matthew 16, verses 13 through 17. Take a look at the screens, would you? He says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Now, let's pause there before I read on. The Son of Man, some people might look at that and go, well, that's an interesting term. Jesus used to refer to himself as the Son of Man. It was actually a term of endearment that he used. He loved associating himself with humanity. So he would refer to himself as the Son of Man. The Son of Man. We'll get into that a little bit more later on. Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. So they begin to list off, well, they're saying you're this person. They're saying you're this person. They're saying that you're this prophet. Then he asked them this question. And here's the question for all of us. But who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? That's the question that's relevant then as well as today. Who is Jesus? Who is he? And who do you say that he is? If you were to be asked that question, if someone were to come to you and say, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? You might get this answer. You might give this answer. Well, you know, he was a moral teacher, taught morality. He was a social revolutionary. He shook up the status quo. Uh, some would say, well, he was a political activist, right? He was dealing with the, the, the oppression of the Roman Empire. Well, those, those are fair descriptions of Jesus, but it's not complete. It's not complete. Do you remember the first time now that you engaged or encountered Jesus? If you think back, when did you find out about Jesus? When did you hear about, you can't be in America and not have heard the name Jesus or experienced in some way, shape, form, or fashion Jesus. Well, maybe it was, uh, maybe you were raised in a home that had a reverence for Jesus and um, your first experience may have been Christmas time, right? As a small child, and maybe, maybe this is how you remember Jesus, right? A little baby laying in a feeding trough, surrounded by animals and shepherds. There's a mom and a dad, and a light that's shining down, much like this picture, this 
traditional picture. And you often wondered, maybe as a child, why is he glowing? Do babies just glow? You know, you don't know. Maybe that was your first experience with Jesus. Or, or maybe, maybe you weren't raised in a, in a home that, that reverenced or revered Jesus. Uh, maybe you were raised in a home that only acknowledged Jesus as an expletive. You know what I'm talking about? Like the comedian who said, yeah, oh, well, there was this Jesus. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, we got to talk about this Jesus. Um, maybe you were exposed to this Jesus. This is pop culture Jesus. This is pop culture Jesus. This is buddy Jesus. Maybe you're exposed to pop culture buddy Jesus. But then there's another Jesus. Uh, it's the Jesus that uh, is the expletive in your house, right? The comedian that said, I grew up thinking my name was Jesus Christ. Because every time my dad would get mad, he'd say, Jesus Christ, get over here. Jesus Christ, would you sit down? Jesus Christ, what are you doing? Jesus Christ, put that cereal away. Je so he thought his name was Jesus Christ. So maybe that was your experience. I don't know. I don't know what your experience with Jesus is. Maybe it was pop culture Jesus. Maybe your impression of Jesus was, a, was that like a kind, gentle, Mr. Rogers type of person who pat little children on the head and said, would you be my neighbor? Maybe that was your perspective or your understanding of who Jesus was as you were growing up. Maybe, maybe you're some sort of, I don't know, sci-fi nerd kind of person. And, and in your mind, you thought Jesus was some alien from another universe. And he came down here to share with the humanity of this earth all the wisdom of the universe. There are those ideas out there. And maybe that was your thought. Maybe your first understanding of Jesus was kind of this long-haired, radical, political activist hippie, you know, that was out for peace. I mean, maybe. Do you remember your first encounter with Jesus? Do you remember your first exposure? Do you remember your first thoughts about Jesus? Today, there's all sorts of presumptions. There's all sorts of redefinitions and misunderstandings of who is Jesus. It's oftentimes a loaded question. And it can cause us to go, oh, I don't even know how to answer that out of fear of what might come back at you, right? Because from politics to campuses to Hollywood, the image of Jesus has become a little distorted, a little out of focus. And it's hard to really make out who is Jesus, so the question that Jesus asked 2,000 years ago is just as important and relevant today as it was back then. Who do you say Jesus is? Over the next few weeks, and I'm so excited about this, we're going to look in the Gospels. We're going to go back to the source. Because there's thousands of books. There's libraries filled. You know, Jesus is the most wrote about individual in all of history. There are more books about Jesus Christ than any other individual king or common person ever. So you do the research and you'll find all sorts of opinions and ideas and warning. Some of them are a little weird and wacky. So what I decided to do and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit was we're going to go to the Gospels 
And we're going to look at the Jesus of the Bible. And we're going to see that he's just as relevant today as he was then. Our movement, we are part of what's called the Four Square Church, the International Church of the Four Square Gospel. And this denomination, Christian denomination, has about 70,000 churches worldwide. We're one of them. Smaller churches, larger churches, Bible studies in various locations around the world. But there's a cornerstone verse that is supposed to be posted in every Foursquare church. And it's not posted in here. Shh. So I'm going to go ahead and say it instead. It's Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. And it says this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's the cornerstone verse because the Jesus that we read in the Bible is just as relevant today as he was then and will be forever. And that's what we're going to discover as we dive into the Gospels, that it is Jesus Christ that we read in the Bible who is relevant for us today. Of course, we're really, I mean, we've just got a few weeks. We're just barely going to scratch the surface. We're barely going to scratch the surface. We're going to get a very quick view of Jesus But I'm going to tell you something. Um, I'm excited that we're going to get to fill in this blank. Jesus is. You'll get to fill in the blank. Jesus is. Jesus is. We're going to work together to fill in that blank. We could spend all year. We could spend hours and hours of study and really still just be discovering Jesus. Matter of fact, we'll really only truly understand Jesus when we step into eternity and we see him face to face and we go, aha, didn't know that. Didn't know that. But in the meantime, let's, let's fill in the blank. Let's fill in the blank. Who is Jesus? Jesus is, and then we're going to get to fill it in. It's widely accepted that Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, was born in a small town called Bethlehem. If you've ever been to any kind of Christmas program, then you would say, oh, yeah, 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 I know that. Bethlehem, Bethlehem. Just over 2,000 years ago, his family came from a region of Galilee known as Nazareth. That's why he had the name Jesus of Nazareth. You've probably heard that term, right? It's because he lived in the town of Nazareth, which was part of the region of Galilee, much in the same way if people were to refer to me, they'd say, oh, he's Kelly of Brea. He's from Brea, Brea, California. Well, he was Jesus of Nazareth, a Galilean. Make sense? There you go. little understanding. And almost every major religion in the world acknowledges that Jesus Christ not only existed, but was one of the most influential individuals to have ever lived. Just about every major religion. Even atheists. Oh yeah, Jesus was around. He was an influential individual. Some some call him a prophet. Others call him a moral teacher. Some say that he was a, a good person, an ideal person, one that you may want to try to live like. But the problem with all these religions and the problem with all of these ideas about Jesus is that the Bible teaches that he is a whole lot more. He's more than a teacher, more than a prophet, more than, he's way more than a myth or a legend. He literally is infinitely more. Do you hear what I just said? 
He's literally infinitely more. So as we look into Scripture, and, and by, by the way, follow along with us over this next uh, few weeks. This series is going to strengthen your faith and help you have a deeper understanding of who this Jesus is. Let's look to the Bible and see what the Bible says about Jesus. In the book of Colossians, the New Testament book of Colossians, this is how the Bible describes Jesus. Follow along with me as I read here on the screen, would you? Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Now let's just pause right there. That alone should help summarize who Jesus Christ is. He's the visible image of the invisible God, which means this. It basically means this. Do you want to know what God thinks about social justice and issues of today? What did Jesus think about that? You want to know what God thinks about racism? You want to know what God thinks about sexism? How did Jesus handle it in his day? Okay, see, because he's the visible image of the invisible God. What, what, what does God think about poverty? What does God think about the, those who are sick and hurting? What does God think about those who are marginalized? What did Jesus think about them? And there's your answer. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. By the way, on Wednesday nights during Elements, I'm going to break this down even more. And we're going to find out what does that mean that everything was made by him, through him, and for him? What does that mean? And why is that relevant to me? That's what we're going to dig into on at Elements on Wednesday night. But in the meantime, let me finish. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. What this is basically saying is he's God. He's God. And what a claim. What a claim for this man who was walking earth. What a claim for this person who's walking and, and interacting on a daily basis with regular old humans. God? God? Author C.S. Lewis writes this in his book, Mere Christianity. He says these words as he's talking about Jesus and Jesus' claims of God. C.S. Lewis says, I'm trying here in his dialogue, to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, that is Jesus. They say, well, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. C.S. Lewis would say that's foolishness. Lewis argued in his book, Mere Christianity, he argued that there were three possibilities for Jesus's claim of being God. He was either lying, he was either delusional and crazy, or he was who he said he was. And C.S. Lewis begins to dialogue about that and digs down into these three presumptions. And at the end of his treatise, he determines there's only one possibility. He was who he said he was. He is who he says he is. 
For the sake of time, I'm not going to delve into it deeply tonight. I will break it down over the next few weeks. But for your own reading and for your own research, I'd recommend, go check out C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity. I highly recommend it. It's an easy read. It's not like, the, he, yes, he is a theologian, but it's not like some dry reading. It is very, very interesting. I highly recommend it. If you're not as much of a reader and you want to do something with media, jump on YouTube, type in The Case for Christ. There's a whole series by Lee Strobel, who also also wrote the book, The Case for Christ, that digs deeper into this. Jesus, the God-man. Dig a little bit deeper. Do your research and begin to discover who is Jesus. So you can fill in the blank, Jesus is. Fill in the blank. Jesus is. The question still remains, and if we have our video ready, The question still remains. We read, we study, we learn what others say about Jesus, but the question remains, who do you say Jesus is? Let's listen to some college students. Take a look. Jesus, as we see and as we hear, the central figure of humanity, 2,000 years And that question still stirs up all sorts of emotions in individuals. From joy, to fear, to confusion, to hurt. Who is Jesus? Today, I want to give a personal answer. In the next few weeks, I want you to be able to answer that question in a way that, yes, is theologically sound, but also personally relevant. Because what men and women need today is they need a touchable, real Jesus, not a book Jesus, not a figure of history, but someone who's alive, which he is. Today, my personal answer is not super heady or super theological. My personal answer, if I were to give a quick answer and somebody to say, Kelly, who is Jesus? I would answer very quickly, Jesus is a maker. Jesus is a maker. I know it's a popular term today. It's a popular phrase. But let me explain to you why I would say that Jesus is a maker. Jesus makes old things new. He makes broken people whole. He makes discouragement disappear. Jesus is a maker. Jesus is a maker. Go ahead and throw those points up there, would you, Kelby? See, he did that in my life. And he's done that in many people's lives here at Refinery. See, I can say that he's a maker and he's done these things because personally, when I was 17 years old, I was done. I'd only, I'd only been living 17 years on this earth and I was already done with living. I had already given up. My mother had died the year before. I ended up failing out my junior year thinking, man, now I have no future. I couldn't focus on school. People who said that they were their friends, you know, they, they weren't there. 
I felt utterly alone. And at 17, I'd already given up. I felt life was over. I didn't see a future and I felt hopeless. I was literally all alone. Well, not totally. Because one night there, I found myself in my living room. It was the day after a party. It was actually the night after a party that I'd had the night before at my house. And I don't know, had a couple dozen people over at our house swimming in my pool, drinking the drinks in the kitchen and eating the food out of the refrigerator. And the next day, what I was left with was a mess at my house and me feeling utterly alone, thinking, where are my friends? And I began to cry out, didn't know who to cry out to, but I just began to cry out. And there on our coffee table, and some of you have heard my testimony, there on the coffee table there in the living room was this little yellow piece of paper. It was a printed piece of paper. Not handwritten, but printed, pre-printed. I don't know how it got there. But I picked it up and I wiped away the tears that were in my eyes as I was trying to get the courage up to go and end it. And it started with dear friend. That immediately grabbed my attention. I'm thinking, oh man, I could use a friend. Who is this? And I just continue to read it. And it's this person who's reading my mail, basically saying, I know what it's like to be all alone. I've been all alone too. I know what it's like to have friends turn their backs on me, on you. I've had them turn their back on me too. I'm here for you. I'm just a call away, your friend Jesus. And at the bottom of the paper, there was a word and some numbers, PSALM 139 colon 13 six. I thought it was some sort of code. <laughs> trying to interpret what that meant. Pasalam. What is Pasalam? <laughs> it's a code. It's a secret message. And then, of course, after a few minutes, I went, oh, no, no, that's in the Bible. And we had this big white family Bible that was sitting there on the coffee table. And you've heard me tell, some of you have heard me tell this story. It was more like a piece of furniture than it was a Bible. We never opened it and read it. It just sat there in the middle of the the kitchen or in the middle of the dining room table or the coffee table. And it had been there all my life. You know, it's one of those big white kind of wedding Bibles with Jesus praying in the garden of Gethsemane like this. See, that was my image of Jesus. And we talked about that earlier. My first memory of Jesus was seeing that picture on the front of the Bible of Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. That was my thought of Jesus. And isn't it interesting that when I'm in my most desperate, despondent place, God would direct me right back to that image and right back to that Bible. Here's this little piece of paper sitting next to the big white family Bible. My first impression of Jesus. It's all I knew of Jesus. Well, I went to church on Christmas and Easter. I knew baby Jesus and I knew crucified Jesus. But I didn't know anything in between. And so I opened up the King James Bible. Looked at the table of contents. Genesis, Exodus, There it is. Pasolem right there. Page 1,500 and something, I don't remember. So I flip over to Pasolem and I find the chapters 1, 2, 3, 4. There's a lot of them here and I just flip in the pages. Chapter 139 and begin to read it. 
And it's the book of Psalm chapter 139. It's when David was basically saying to God, God, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You knit me together in my mother's womb. All the days that have been outlined for me have been ordained since the beginning. I am fearfully in one. He's acknowledging the fact that God had created him on purpose and for a purpose. And I'm reading this in King James English, okay? Thou hast formeth me, <laughs> Romeo. You know, I, I'm a 17-year-old kid reading this, but check this out. This is a miracle. As I'm reading this, I'm, I'm taking these King James words into my eyes. It's going into my brain and the Holy Spirit is translating this old English into something a 17-year-old kid would hear. And here is what I heard. I made you. I formed you. I put you together in your mama's belly. And all your days, I made them for you. And they're good. And I've got a plan for you. Don't give up. That's what I heard. I'm here this day. 30 something years later. Because God reached down and said, this is who I am. I'm a maker. And I'm going to take your old past and I'm going to make it new. See, because I said to God at that moment, I said, well, if this is true, God, I feel like an old pile of poo. And for the sake of mixed audiences here, I won't use the actual words that I said. I see some young ears in here. I said, I feel like an old pile of poo. But if you can do something with this old poo, here you go. And he did. He did. He stepped through time. He grabbed my heart. And he made me new. He took the old ways, the old habits, the old views, the old perspectives, and he made it new. I went to sleep that night. I swear to you guys, I wish I, could, I, wish I had a video of my brain, of my memory that I could show you. Be so we, Josh, we need to come up with something to plug into my head so we could actually show this. That would be a cool technology. Can you come up with that? Okay, thank you. He'll work on that. Don't you love all the stuff Josh does around? I love, I love the stuff he's doing. Anyways, here's the picture. I went to sleep that night. Man, I slept so good. Man, it was one of those good sleeps, you know. I slept for like 12 hours. Oh, it felt so good. And when I woke up, it, I, I, I was different. It was like the first 17 years of my life were a dream, a not-so-good dream. When I woke up, I was new. He gave me a new life. I looked at things differently. I had a new heart. I had a new purpose. Sometime later, months later, I would be at a church about this size, and these two passages of Scripture were taught by the pastor. And I went, that's it. That's it. Jesus is a maker. Jesus is a maker. Because I read these two verses. Uh, let's, let me read the bottom one first. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. You see, I read that and went, that's me. He's a maker. He makes old things new. And he made me new. And then I read Revelation chapter 21, verse 5, where it talks about Jesus sitting on the throne. And here's what it says. Then he who sat on the throne said, behold, what does it say? I make all things new. You see, Jesus is a maker. He's a maker. And he makes all things new. So if you were to ask me today, who's Jesus for you, Kelly? Oh, he's a maker. Because he made me new. Made me new. The world needs a maker. There are desperate, lonely, broken people all around us. And you might feel the kind of stress that I feel. Man, what can we do for them? And then Jesus reminds me, oh, it's not what you can do for them. It's what I can do for them. Because I'm a maker. I made them. I formed them. I know what they need. Because I'm a maker. I'm a maker. See, they need a new life. And it's found in Jesus. They, they, They need new hope. They're searching for it. And it's found in Jesus. They need a new purpose. They're striving for it, and it's found in Jesus. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's a friend of yours. Maybe that's a family member. Jesus is a maker. Maybe that's you here tonight. And there's areas of your life where you're saying, God, I need you to make something new here. I need you to make something new. There's a relationship that's broken God, I need you to make it new. I need you to do a miracle, make it new. Maybe you're broken, struggling with things that you just can't seem to break. And God says, I want to break those things and I want to set you free and I want to make you new. That's what Jesus does because he's a maker and he makes all things new. So we're starting this new series. Who is Jesus We look historically, we look into Scripture, and we also give a testimony. And the testimony for me tonight to you is that Jesus is a maker. He's a maker. Can you pray with me? Thank you, Father God, for your word tonight. We're so excited to go on this journey to discover more about you, Jesus, who you are. Jesus, what you've said and how we can live our lives like you. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, and nobody looking around, I want to ask you tonight, do you need Jesus to make something new in you? Maybe a new relationship, a new career, a new purpose, a new heart. He wants to do that right now. Just like when I was in my living room and he said, I want to make you new. He wants to make you new here tonight. He wants to revive those areas of your life that have been dead. The purposes and the passions that you thought aren't going to be there anymore. You don't have a vision for your future. God says, I want to make it new for you because I make all things new. Come on. 
Speak to him. Let him know those things right now. Father God, in the name of Jesus Christ, I extend my hands over this congregation that God, right now, you're making old things new. Lord, begin to revive and revitalize passions, dreams, and visions that have been long dormant, long even thought dead, that God, you raise up to life those things that were dead. Right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, if that's you here tonight, know that God is reviving those areas of your life that you thought were dead. Father, God, in the name of Jesus, you make all things new. Because Jesus, you are a maker. You are a maker. Right now, across this room, maybe your heart has just been far away from God. God wants to make a new relationship with you right now. The Bible says this. It says, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. He's simply a prayer away. Simply say, God, come into my life. Come into my heart right now. Jesus, I make you my Lord and my Savior. Give me a new life. Let that be your prayer right now, and he will do that. He is faithful and faithful to do that. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you look up here at me? Would you mind? God's doing new things. And maybe you've experienced loss or death. God wants to do new things. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. And he wants to bring you into a community that we can support one another and see those things come to pass. So stay committed. Stay involved. Don't run away when things get hard. That's, that's the tendency, right? I was talking with a friend tonight. Sometimes when things get tough, we avoid and run. No, 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 press in. Because God wants to grow you and shape you and form you. Let's continue to do that. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look through the Gospels. Here's what you can have to look forward to. We're going to look through the Gospels, and we're going to see that Jesus, he is a friend. Oh, that's so good. He is a friend. He is joy. He is a healer. He is a helper. And he's the definition of love. And what I'm going to be giving you over the next few weeks is at the end of our time on Saturday nights, I'm going to say this phrase to you, so get ready for it. Go and do likewise. So as we begin to see who Jesus is, the responsibility is going to come to us. Now you go and do that. Be the hands and feet of Jesus because the world needs Jesus. So you're going to hear that over the next few weeks. Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Here's what I need you to do. Get an invitation card. Invite a friend. When I see empty seats around here, you know what it makes me feel like? Man, there's people that are missing out. There's people, I mean, invite a friend, invite a family member, say, come, you gotta, you gotta be a part of this. We want you in our community. We want you to grow. We want you to experience these things. It's up to you. I'm the pastor, I'm the shepherd, but you know what? Sheep make sheep. Shepherds don't make sheep. Sheep make sheep. So you need to bring some people so that they can come into the fold and the flock of Jesus Christ, all right? 
all right? And then don't forget, Wednesday nights, we're going a little bit deeper. I'm going to be unpacking some of this stuff even more. It's going to blow your mind. There was a passage there. We read Colossians. I'm going to give you a little teaser for uh, this Wednesday night. That passage in Colossians says that Jesus was there before time. He was there during the, the, the making of heavens and earth. What does that mean? Because I always thought Jesus was born in Bethlehem. How was he there before time? We're going to dig into that on Wednesday nights during Elements. So we're going to get a little bit deeper on Wednesday nights. So come on out Wednesday nights at 6.30, will you? Let me close this time in prayer. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you so much that we're unpacking this and we're discovering who you are, Jesus. And now I pray for this congregation that through the days, the weeks, and the months ahead, we would discover a little bit more about your love that has been demonstrated through Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. For more information about Refinery Church, like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at We Are Refinery. If these messages have blessed you, please consider supporting the ministry by visiting our website at wearerefinery.com/give.